Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and you tune in today because you're sick of trying every fad diet under the sun and training yourself into the ground without seeing any results. That's why I'm here, to share the most effective ways to eat and train for sustainable and real results. What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, and today I'm going to be joined by one of my great mates and Aussie NBA player, Mitch Creek. Now, for those of you that have followed the podcast for a while now, you'll know that Mitch and I have done an episode before. I believe it was episode 49, so I'll have the link to that in the show notes. But today we're going to cover a number of topics, including life in the USA, his hardest adjustment moving over to the States to pursue an NBA career, the moment that he found out that he was going to be a Brooklyn Net and an official NBA player, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, his time at the Adelaide 36ers, um, just a lot of different stuff that I'm sure you guys are going to absolutely love. So make sure if you do enjoy today's episode that you take a screenshot of the show and put it up on your Instagram story. Tag myself, tag Mitch, we'd love to hear your feedback from the show. Um, but for now, let's just get stuck into the interview. There is a little bit of um, an audio problem towards the end of the interview where you can kind of hear a bit of an echo, but outside of that, the rest of the interview is absolute fire. So enjoy. Big Mitchell Creek, welcome back to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, brother. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to be in your presence, mate. Mate, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, I mentioned in the intro that last time we spoke, there was a uh, very few uh, special words we had at the end of the podcast where I said, hopefully the next time that we chat to each other, um, you'll have been playing in the NBA and, um, and what do you know, mate? You, you've done just that. Yeah, look, it's... Uh... It's been an absolute roller coaster of a journey. Um, I'd never thought in a million years I would be living and breathing proof of the example that hard work and enough goal setting and planning and preparation can lead to achieving it. Um, I never thought coming from Horsham I'd be here. I'm sure a lot of other people didn't think it as well. But the fact is I've, uh, I've gone through the rabbit hole, came out the other side and landed three 10 days and a, and a full roster spot symbol. So it's been crazy, mate. That's unbelievable, and um, and you mentioned Horsham, and obviously we grew up together and had um, many many hours together in the gym. Um, and before we get stuck into the questions, my man, I just want to just ask you a quick. The, probably the best question of the show, I reckon, is: um, Do you remember that day when I beat you one on one? Um. Oh, was that after the time we had a few beers and you passed out and started drinking? <laughs> <laughs> Must have been, I think. Must have been. I just wanted to say that I'd been an NBA player, but it's all right. We'll get stuck into the real questions. Uh, mate, so how has life been in the USA? Look, it's uh, it was certainly a, an adjustment period. Um, I went over there. I didn't know a single soul. I barely knew Will Weaver, who was the part Australian assistant coach that I've met for about three hours in total of spending time with him. Um, realistically, I never thought that I'd go somewhere on a limb and just be like, look, I'm backing myself on a $30,000 contract with no guarantees at all. It was just backing myself after an MVP season with the Adelaide 36ers, then being the NBL fans MVP of the league. You know, I had a great contract in place. I had an amazing team over in Würzburg in Germany, which I was signed with. And yep. I basically said, you know what, I'm going to back on myself and let's just see where things take us. Um, Getting over there was tough. Like, the winter was really, really shitty. Um, I really struggled with that. I struggled with the food. You know, getting around New York City, the subway, a bunch of different things really kind of played its toll on me. But 
the hardest thing was being there around a bunch of guys. I was the only white guy when I first got there. I was the only international, everyone else American kind of player played college and, you know, no one really played overseas apart from one guy. So, um, you know, I was coming in very different and my role was going to be extremely different um, compared to everyone else. So it was certainly a really trialing time for me. 100%, man. I can only imagine. Um, and I think, well, I'm sure we'll touch on this again later in the show, but I think the biggest thing, and and you actually mentioned this, the first episode or the first um, interview that we did is about, you know, taking a chance on yourself and just backing yourself and believing in, in your own ability. And, and even if it doesn't work out, man, you've got to go and, and give it a crack and that's what you've done. And um, it's definitely paid off and there's still so much hard work to do, but you put yourself in a pretty fucking good position um, at the moment and you're giving yourself the best chance, which is unbelievable man and in terms of basketball um before we get stuck into the the nba experience like the g league how was how was the standard how did you find it um the pace of the game did you feel like you fit in pretty well and um was it was it what you thought it would be um i had no idea i'd heard mixed reviews about it i'd had people that tell me it was a waste of time i had people tell me that it was a good you know springboard to be seen by teams i'd heard that it's an extremely long 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 shot um, yeah. you know, I just didn't know what to expect really. Um, I went in the first week of training camp with our bunch of guys and I was like, fuck, we're in trouble. Like if this is who we're playing with, like we are going to be struggling. And I was like <laughs> really considering like being okay. Am I in the right position? Have I made the right move? Am I in the right country? Am I in the right yeah. league right now? Am I, am I just overshot? where I think I deserve to be and just gone and made a bad decision. Literally spoke to the coach. I had to be myself. I couldn't be, you know, I couldn't pretend to be someone I wasn't. So I was there to be a winner and to instill a culture that lived on longer than I was going to spend time there. So it was hard because realistically, like I said, I was the only white guy on the team and me coming in playing nine years professionally so far, the next most, I guess, experienced player was a four-year player who played at college and then played in Europe on and off and that was Drew Gordon Aaron Gordon's brother from the Atlanta Magic so yeah at the end of the day for me it was about going there and trying to leave a culture behind which was unparalleled to any other team and all I'd ever heard was the G League was extremely selfish and it was like summer league where I talked about how selfish players were and Mm. sometimes they're just out for themselves which is fair enough but I didn't want to be the person that went there and tried to change who I was to get what I wanted as a dream. So it was tough. It was a great league. It was super athletic. Guys are talented. Everyone can score. You know, they're not yeah. always the smartest yeah. apples in the bunch. That was a fact. Guys had, you know, six, nine, 40 inch birds, could shoot three, could put it on the floor, but had temper tantrums, had, two-way contracts, played in the NBA, but then got demoted back down and then up and down and then lost two ways and got traded and then moved around. And you're like, why is this guy not in the NBA? And it all comes to the mentality and the approach they have upstairs between their ears. And a lot of guys struggle with that, but I felt like we had a really good, successful team. We built on the culture. It was a lot of hard work, a lot of standing on your own island, but I feel like we really made something special in that group. And I think it's going to last a long, long time there. Yeah, for sure. And and for those of you, uh, so for those that are listening at the moment, Mitch, that um 
that may not know exactly like what's involved in the G League. Do you want to just give us a very, very quick rundown in terms of like, you know, we spoke on the phone um, about a month ago about how tough it was for you to recover between games when you're playing, you know, almost as many games as the guys in the NBA are playing. But instead of, you know, traveling in private jets and stuff like that, you guys are uh, traveling like everyone else. So give us a quick idea of what it's actually like in terms of, let's say, a week of basketball in the G League. So basically, it's five months of games, 52 games over the year, I'm pretty sure, including finals on top of that, which is about another seven or eight games. Um, from there, I also played in the Australian national team. So we were playing around a lot, 10 to 12 games a month, um, yep. which means that's three to four games a week, normally four games a week. Now, you played home and away. You traveled economy class. Maybe you, maybe you had an exit road. Maybe. You travel in a small team, six to the eighteenth in a bus, so it's not pretty. Like it's yeah, play a game, get on a bus, drive four hours, get on a domestic flight, wait two hours, check in, fly, land, drive home, unpack, get up the next morning at nine a.m., do it all again, and and it's literally like game Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, Wednesday, Friday. I think it was. Like, and it's just back to back to back, drive to a different city or state, get off, play, do it all again. It's, it was really hard mentally and it was yeah. even more hard physically. Yeah. 100%. It sounds like it, especially, you know, even though you prepare your body for those kind of um, opportunities and situations, but like coming from the NBL where you're playing maybe two games a week. And, yeah, you know, you've like got the whole week to recover. You're, at, you're in your own bed. You, you're, you're recovering properly and all that type of stuff. You're with your family and your friends. Like, I, I can imagine it would have been extremely tough. And I wanted to actually ask you about um, your your kind of thought process and your mentality after the summer league because you had a really good summer league. Um, you know, everyone back home was was really talking about how well you played. You'd obviously been there before already. Um, you you were in with a really good chance to to get signed. So, what were your um, what, what was your thoughts after the summer league before you kind of found out that you weren't going to be on the list initially? Um, we basically finished up in uh, Dallas with the Mavericks, and that for me was really hard. You know, they had talked about, hey, look, you know, we're ninety ninety five percent there on. I'm looking to sign you. Everyone's on board. We just kind of need one more name for a two-way contract. Now, it didn't happen. I got told about 20, 30 minutes before I got on the plane and was going home thinking, well, that's it. Like, I'm, like I'm going to Germany. Like, I'm playing there. And then it was, it was a massive shift. Like, I, my heart dropped. I thought I was done. I didn't think I was good enough. I thought I was. And then you have that self-doubt. And the self-doubt is the most dangerous thing any athlete, any person can have in their world, whether it's relationship, family, sport, or your business. And it really, really, really shook me. Like, it was really hard to come back from that. And basically, for me, it was about trying to implement, okay, what am I as a person? Who am I? What am I going to be remembered as as a player? What are my processes? And I went back to the basics. I implemented what I wanted to be and the way I wanted to approach every single day. And that's the biggest thing and how it got me through. So Summer League was a blessing in a way. Um, mm. It didn't work out for a reason. And everything happens for a reason. I believe that. So, 100%. So um, at the end of the day, I couldn't be happier where I am right now. Now, I want to go from one extreme to the other. Man, tell us about the moment. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. The moment that you got that call um, to say that you were going to be playing in the NBA. Like, what the fuck went through your head? Um, what were the emotions like? kind of give us give us a, an idea of how you felt 
Yeah, look, I we had a 12-day road trip coming up on the West Coast. Got a call. It was uh, Will Weaver, my head coach, and I was almost in a screen his call because it was pretty late at night. And then <laughs> basically answered it. He kind of gave me some bullshit rabble on, like, for the first 10 seconds. And I was thinking, mate, I can tell me what's going on. Like, I'm, I'm too tired. I'm going to bed. Like, I'm packed. I'm in bed. I need to get up early. And he's just like, well, you unpack your bag, mate. You're going to be a Brooklyn Net tomorrow. And everything stopped. I sat up and I just was like, fuck off. Like, no fuck way. Fuck, man. I've got goosebumps at the moment. Mate. I've got goosebumps like right now. And, like, that, that fucking, that shit is... Like, I bawled my eyes out for two or three minutes. He started crying. Then he goes, look, fucking stop crying. Trajan <laughs> is going to call you. And he was the GM. And he's like, yeah, like, he's going to call you. So, literally, I hung up the phone and I was wigging out. I'm freaking out. I'm trying to, like, send a text to my family. I'm trying to, like, calm myself down. Trajan calls. He's like, like, called me. And I knew he goes, hey, mate, like, you know, Trajan here from the book and there. It's like... Just wanted to let you know that, um, you know, you know, kind of went through the spiel. There's a video they put up of it. And I didn't know they were recording the phone call. And all you yeah. hear is me sobbing and... Yeah. <laughs> I was, man, like that... The moment you realize that every single sacrifice, every birthday, every... Like my sister had a wedding, had a baby born. My best friend had his baby born. My, I have two other best friends that have got children on the way. I have birthdays and Christmases and friends events and engagements that I've missed for so many years. And I always sit there at night. And I'm like, this is a lonely fucking experience. Oh, yeah. Like it's yeah. a lonely, hard, mentally draining battle axe ready physical experience where you just don't expect sometimes the emotions that come with it. And everything in that moment went away, like absolute yeah. pure bliss. Like, I don't know what, having a kid is like and seeing that baby come into the world. But I think this is going to be pretty close to what that feels like. So when that moment came and I called my family and eight people answered the FaceTime and I was sobbing like a two-year-old schoolgirl that got punched in the nose. And then <laughs> like everyone oh, yeah. had instant, like instant cry, instant tears. It was, it was pretty funny, but at the same time, it was a very emotional time. I remember my, uh, my old man, um, and myself gave gave Jeffrey a call um, after we'd found out and um, just to just say congratulations and, and see how he was feeling and it was funny man he, he told us that he that he'd just gone to the bank he uh, gone to the bank or the post office and, and and picked up a package from you and and that's when he got the call and um, and yeah man I can't can't imagine how he would have felt either but that's fucking incredible and now once you found out obviously everything happened pretty quick after that so were you obviously you've done all the preparation the physical and mental preparation but how was it were you, were you nervous stepping out on that court how did you feel um on the day of that first game and when you came into the game for the first time and me and my old man were sitting there like fucking basically right in front of the tv uh when you came on for that first time it was awesome yeah, look, uh, Rondo holland Jefferson went down, hurt his shoulder on a layup, had to shoot free throws. He went out of the game. Opposing coach picks the player. I wasn't aware that that was the deal. I was more worried <laughs> about Rondo's shoulder. Kenny Atkinson, the Brooklyn head coach, comes down and he said, Mitch, you're up. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> okay, like, sweet. Ran up, tried to pull my rip-away pants off. Didn't rip all the way, so I almost fell over. I had instant palm sweat, like... I've never been more nervous in my entire life. Like the first, like the day I lost my virginity was about the same time I was nervous. Like it was a bad experience. 
And I was like, please, God, just make this a good experience. Like, it was so nerve-wracking. I sub off Ed Davis. He's just like, you know, dashed me up and says, hey, don't fuck it up. Like, don't miss it. And I was just like, whoo, I can't. I'm a mess. Like, I'm going to be shocking. Tried to bend my knees to shoot my free throw the first time. Absolutely hinged at the hips. It was like a Romanian deadlift. Looking, didn't, didn't bend my knees at all. Clanked the first one. Didn't even feel close. Second one, couldn't feel my hands. Somehow made it. Man, like, to, to score a bucket in the NBA, like a single point, could have been half a point. I didn't care. Just was the most surreal, incredible experience. Got instantly subbed off. Instantly subbed off. Didn't care. Ran to the bench, had the biggest grin on my face, and it was the most amazing feeling in the world, man. It really was. Uh, it's un- unreal man incredible and unreal, man. incredible and um, i was fucking stoked for you and obviously you, you had a pretty obviously. good run um with with the nets after that you had um some good games there and then the the 10 day contract was up and you got another one and then that was up so you went back to the g league so what was your thoughts after that was your confidence kind of through the roof like were you thinking yeah like i don't know what were, what were you thinking after that well basically i got told that you know, essentially, it was the fifth day of my 10-day contract and I was playing in San Antonio against the Spurs. Played against them, spoke to Paddy after the game, get a call, yeah. hey, you're going to play for Long Island in um, in Austin tomorrow. And I was like, okay, cool. We're like, it's a four-hour drive. Do you want to drive tonight or in the morning? I said morning. So I drove in the morning, got in around 11 a.m., did a video session with the team, got to the game, literally at 4.30. At 4 o'clock, got to the game. We had an hour to kind of get ourselves dressed, taped, ready, and we go out and we do on-court prep for an hour and a quarter, do some video, then you go out and play at 7. I got a call at 4.30, and they said, hey, mate, sorry to say, but we've, we're not extending your 10-day contract. We're going to have to terminate it right now. Good luck, all the best. Thanks for everything you've done for the club. That's and nice. I was like, nice. fuck. Like, that's it? I was yeah. like in the change rooms. No one knew what the conversation was. I was, I, I was on the moon. Like, I, you couldn't touch me. Like, I was feeling incredible. And instantly, my heart sank. And I was like, oh, my God. I feel like I've just been in a car accident. Like, it just hit me. And I almost got really emotional. And I thought, you know what? Like, you just played 15 days in the NBA as a, like a full-on NBA professional. Yeah. And I went out in that game against Delaware and literally, like, gave them hell. Like, we ended up being uh, – no, we lost on the buzzer for that game. But I played my absolute balls to the wall and it was one of the fucking most inspiring feelings for me was irregardless of whether I'm from Brooklyn or Long Island, I will never waver from who I'm going to be. And I went out there, I led, defended, played at a high level. We lost that game on the buzzer. They hit a buzzer beating layup to win. And that was it. That's how, yeah. that's how it went. Yeah. Went to Long Island, kept playing. Same thing, exact same approach, nothing wavered. I did it the right way the first time, and that's what I'm most proud of. I never listened to other people. Hey, you have to shoot more threes. You have to be shooting 35%. To make, you're not going to make it, mate. Well, guess yeah. what? I fucking made it, so you can suck it. Like I've yeah. had that many people write against me and tell me that I'm not very good. I'm a piece of shit. Go kill yourself. Like Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have said that. And every single time, I've never listened to it because I bet on myself, and I trust the work I've put in. I don't do it for anyone else. Yeah. I do it for my circle of friends, my family, and the own pride of I've worked too damn hard to give up now and let anyone tell me I'm not worth it. So I went back. I did the right thing, literally went away, earned myself that 10-day contract, 
after the semifinal, took it, went there, and that's kind of where the Minnesota deal kind of started off. Yeah, and um, and you know, what was the, what was the feeling yeah, like? What was the, what was um, the feeling you found out about Minnesota. Contract was it a similar I mean, thing, or was it was more it, like oh, you know, relief you get another opportunity again? Yeah, look, it was an, an an inspirational moment. Like a second team wants to give you an opportunity. I, I took it. I went away. You know, we had the opportunity to be in front of a brand new franchise, a brand new team, um, the opportunity to play games. And look, the first ten days, I didn't play a single game. I did three yeah. or four good on court scrimmage workouts, three on three, two on two, shooting, skill development, things like that, lifted, did all the stuff for the team, supported, implemented myself into training rotations and plays and playbooks and, you know, the culture and try to instill what I believe I bring to a a basketball club and culture. So I did that. And then obviously, you know, my 10-day finish and they said, look, we're going to sign you for the rest of the season. We have to get the paperwork through. We'll let you know tonight. Wake up. Look, we're signing you for the rest of the season to a full NBA roster spot. And the waterworks came on, buddy. Called my family. Another moment that just, it's such a beautiful thing to hear. And it's such a relief for like, I've done it twice now. Done it three times in 10 days. Now I've done it and I'm on the right path. Like I fully believe that if you play the right way and approach it the right way, anything's achievable. And that for me is what I try to hang my hat on. And hopefully what leads me to hopefully a one, two or three year career in the NBA from here on out. hundred percent. And that leads me to the next question, like the future. So obviously um, for those listening back in Australia, most people would know that, um, that you've been kind of linked or, or even I guess signed, I'm not hundred percent sure with Southeast Melbourne, um, the new NBL team. Yeah. So what is the, what is the future looking like for you? Do you stay back in Australia now? Are you heading back over the States? Like, um, let us, let us know like what the plan is. Yeah. So I go back in a couple of weeks, probably two, three, four weeks. I'm not hundred percent sure yet. We're trying to figure that out at the moment with Minnesota. I go back, I've signed there for summer league. So I'll be a part of their team. Um, they want me to come back in early, try and help with the culture, be a part of the team, implement myself, push the guys, have that work ethic that we need at that club. Um, so that's obviously a really positive sign. I've had great yeah. feedback. I got along with the team extremely well. Um, spent time with a lot of the guys on and off the court. Had a really good friendship with a lot of the people and the staff there. So I feel like I did what I needed to do and left the impression I wanted to. So realistically, I go back. I see what happens. I might make it. I might not. I don't care. I'm going to do it the right way. And either way, I'm going to help. I hold my head high. I'm going to walk out there knowing that I gave everything I could. So if for whatever reason I don't make it, then I'll be a part of the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix who are absolutely incredible. They've been huge supporters of me and I cannot wait to get out there. I'm heading there actually next Tuesday and Wednesday to do some media, some training, get some working with the coaches and just kind of affirm myself around the club. So they've been huge supporters. They want to make me you know, an NBA star one day and they're going to try and push me. So if the NBA doesn't work out right now, that door doesn't close. It's just temporarily with my foot in the door held open and I'll be able to go there, you know, after the season. But right now it's about trying to get a, a one or two year deal after I go back and try and solidify myself as a NBA professional. Incredible, man. I've just got a few more questions because I know you're a, you're a busy man. But last week we put up an Instagram story and I asked people to send in some questions. So, some questions. Um, so uh, I've listed about five of the best ones here. So number one was, uh, this is a very common question that came up and I'm sure you probably already got a fair idea of what I'm about to ask you, but what, uh, what happened with Adelaide? 
Look, I'm not allowed to speak about specific things. Um, all that I know is I went back and ran my camp four days ago. I invited every single Adelaide 36ers supporter and every basketball fan of mine that has supported me along my journey. I have no quarrel with the 36ers organization. There were specific people involved that I didn't appreciate how they went about their business. And that's it. Some of the stuff there, I have a lot of time and respect for. Others, not so much. That's how it goes. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. I came out of that situation in a great position. I had a great mental state. I had the support of Dean Evans from Leading Minds Australia who helped me along the way. I had a great team at Mogul Sports that supported me with my management. I had the NBL. I had Basketball Australia support me. I had my friends and family and I had yourself, other people as well. And that for me is the most important thing. So obviously I can't talk about some of the things um, due to like confidentiality clause. But the thing was... I went back, I had my talk. I spoke very, very thoroughly and in depth about my whole experience with Adelaide, things that happened, you know, my journey, the highs and lows, the hard and the easy, and really was open and raw about everything I could be to all the fans. And that for me was trying to give back to the fans to show that I love them more than they understand. And I appreciate what they've done for me. So that's about kind of all I can say, but I love Adelaide. I love the Sixers. I love all the boys. I was playing spike ball with DJ and, TZ and Jack McVeigh just yesterday. So, yeah, um, yeah, I got a lot of love for those fellas and everyone. Awesome. No, appreciate the insight, man. The uh, insight, next man. question is, uh, next question what's your diet is, like your diet um, when you're during season? Um, during I mean, we were season. talking about it, but uh, 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 listeners have uh, an idea. Crazy. Like, really crazy. Um, I wake up, it's a huge platter of fruit from pineapples, berries, blueberries, blackberries, <laughs> raspberries, um, apple, watermelon, everything, bananas. I have a huge plate full. Um, I have mushroom, tomato, eggs, avocado for breakfast basically every single day. I go to training. I finish training. I have my uh, collagen with vitamin C mix, vitamin D once a week as well. But I do the collagen, vitamin C before every training session um, to kind of help with the muscle growth, the muscle breakdown, deterioration, and trying with my sickness as well, trying not to prevent any of my immune system to be a piece of shit and get sick. Um, That's the last thing I kind of want over there, and I stayed really healthy in the cold. Um, after that, it's nice and healthy. It's plenty of protein, plenty of carbs, plenty of healthy fats. Um, I do try and stick to the like kind of macronutrient groups. I know I've had a little bit to do with you with my, some of my nutrition. Um, I do try and just eat as much as I can and try and be mm. as healthy as possible. I have plenty of serves of vegetables a day. At night, I'm the same thing. I have plenty of fruit, plenty of veggies, um, plenty of fish, plenty of meat, plenty of different kind of starchy carbs and everything. So I do try and stay away from dairy you know, bread, pastas, stuff like that. But I do, I love my ice cream. I love my candies. I do eat those in proportion. I do try and manage what I do. I do have a can of Coke here and there. Like I do like those certain things. I definitely drink beers. So um, you have to do your research, understand what you can and can't get away with. And I did a really good job this year of staying healthy. Awesome. Now, favorite NBA teammate so far? Favorite NBA teammate so far? Um... Look, I had a lot of really good ones. I did like specific people um, quite a lot. I thought Cat was an absolute legend. We, he and I got along really well together. Um, you know, um, Theo Pinson was one that I loved being around. Um, Zana Musa and I were very close as well. Uh, There's a bunch of different guys I had a lot of time for and a lot of respect for. Uh, one of my roommates, Tom Wimbush, was an absolute stud and he was a legend. So shout out to all those guys. But look, every single guy on each team was an absolute you know, blessing to be around, really nice, positive guys. 
heaps of fun. They're just dudes, man. Like people stereotype different people in different ways. And realistically, they just, they make a lot of money. They're really good at sport and they're pretty famous for it. But the rest of it, they play Fortnite. They play a bunch of different games. They, you know, like to have beers. They like to eat food. They like to play games and cards and, you know, they're just lads. And that's the best thing about it. So, um, yeah, it was really cool. Unreal, man. Two more questions. So, Two next one I've got is: Was the NBA environment intimidating? Not really. At times it was, and there's a lot of pressure. You go and shoot on the court before a game, and there's 150 people taking videos and photos of you, and you're like, "Well, I hope I don't miss five in a row and airballed off the side of the backboard. That would be really shitty." So, um, but look. If you treat it any differently than what it is, it's a basketball game. Four lines, two hoops, one ball, ten players. That's it. If you treat it differently, you get a different result. So I respected the game. It respected me. Um, so not really, but I can see where people do think it's quite intimidating. Um, definitely. Unreal. Now, last question Unreal. is, now, last question what is, would be more important to you, an NBA ring or an Olympic ring or Olympic medal with the Boomers? Gold medal with the Boomers. 100%. Playing for my country gives me more pride and satisfaction than anything in the world. So um, something I definitely want to be a part of, something that's a huge inspiration to me. Um, anytime I get to pull on the green and gold is an absolute honour. So something I'm definitely looking forward to and hopefully I get a chance to do one day at the Olympic. Amazing. Well, brother, thank Amazing. you so much well, for coming brother, on. Thank, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, podcast again today. Um, I know you are a busy um, man, but everyone is really appreciate it. All the best for whatever the season it will be. Incredible man, you've done an exceptional job so far. All the best, brother. All the best, brother. No, I appreciate it, man. I'm a big supporter of you. I'm a big advocate. So I love everything you're doing. I listen to your podcast. I watch you every day. You have a really good body and I like you got tattoos now. So I appreciate that too. Thank you, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. And guys, thanks so much for tuning in today. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and put up a screenshot of today's episode on your Instagram story and tag myself and tag Mitch. We'd love to get your feedback. Thanks, brother. See you, boys.